this evening, church? Amen. How many of you are thankful for that love? It just has the power to lift you up out of whatever mess you find yourself in. I just thank God that His love found His way into my life, and I know you're glad that it found its way into your life as well. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord this evening. The title of my message for tonight is The Other Side. It's going to be taken from John chapter 21, verse 6. You might be wondering where in the world we're going with this. I'm going to jump around to a few verses, all probably within the gospel. But before I read that, I want to just give you a little insight into what I mean by the other side, and then we're going to pray and go from there. I'll probably set a little quick stage for you so God's production can be brought forth. But uh, the title that I've chosen uh, refers to the fact that in reality, there's two sides to everything. The reality is there's a a good side and a bad side. There's a hot side, a cold side. There's two sides to kind of everything in life. There's a west side and an east side, a north side and a south side. There's a dark side and a light side. And uh, there's two sides to a record. You understand what I'm saying? Two sides to a cassette. There's two sides to every story. And the reality is there are two sides to life as well. There is a natural side and there's a supernatural side. And when I talk to you this evening about the other side, it's all about the supernatural side. It's all about God's side. And that's kind of just to give you a taste of of where we're going, to give you a better understanding of what I'm referring to when you hear those words. But before we do, let's pray one more time. Can't pray enough. Ask God to anoint me and anoint you as well. Amen. Father God, I thank you for every individual that's in your house this evening. I thank you for the love that lifted us, Father God, out of the miry clay. The love that lifted us out of sin and darkness and brought us into your glorious light. I thank you, Father God, for your love that led your people here this evening, Father God, because we love you because you first loved us. And we thank you for that love, God. I thank you for your anointing, your your word, your Holy Spirit. God, we can't do any of this on our own. So, Father God, I pray that you would anoint me, my mind, my body, my words, my lips. Father God, that you would be glorified this evening, that we would find truth and revelation from your word, God. We come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, anything the devil would try to do, God, to keep us from finding truth and moving us on to the other side. We just, con- uh, we just commit our time to you and this word in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Before I read our main text, like I said, I want to set a quick stage to get you up to where we are and actually what's taking place in John chapter 21. I think for you to understand that we've got to lead up to it. But starting, you don't have to turn to all of these. Most of the scriptures I'll give you, and I encourage all of you to read these when you go home through the week to really give you a full understanding, some more insight into God's word this evening. But starting in the beginning of the Gospels, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, And I'm not going to read it. I'm just setting a a stage here. It's where Jesus begins selecting his disciples. He begins to choose a handful of individuals, a handful of men that he's going to pour himself into, a handful of individuals that he's going to mentor and that he's going to actually use to change the world. And the Bible tells us that as he was going along the Sea of Galilee or along the, the shore of Galilee, he comes across two men fishing. Peter and his brother Andrew, and he says to these two men, lay down your nets and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says immediately they laid down their nets and they followed him. 
What an awesome testament that is for individuals. That's not the word, but that's just an awesome testament of someone's willingness to just lay down and follow the Lord. But what we have to understand here is what Jesus is asking these men uh, to do. And that's basically to lay down everything that they are. To lay down everything that they know, to lay down their understanding and their wisdom, lay down their strength, to lay down their will, to lay down their sustenance and their way of living. He's really asking them to lay down everything that they're familiar with. And this is all taking place before we even get to John chapter 21. He says, lay down your nets and follow me, he said, and I will make you fishers of men. You see, Jesus was telling these men that he was going to make them into something that they weren't at that moment. Jesus was telling them that I'm going to about to do something in your life and make you into something that you're not right now. And really what Jesus was saying to them is I can't use you the way you are right now. But when I get finished with you and I get finished molding you and making you and investing myself in you. And when I get done with my work, you're going to be an asset to the kingdom of God. And so this is what's taking place when, when he teaches them, the reality is he is preparing them for something they hadn't been trained for yet. He's, he, he has to do something in their life because right now they're not ready for something. Something they had to be trained for. Something they had to be prepared for and equipped for. Something at this, at this moment in their life with all of their combined experiences, it did not qualify them for what God was about to prepare them to do. So that's why they had to follow him. So he could equip them, empower them, and qualify them for the call. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, the reality is we can't qualify ourselves for the call. The reality is we can't qualify ourselves for the kingdom of God. It requires the work of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men because nobody else can. You can't do it on your own. I can't make you a fisher of men as your pastor. I can, I can, uh, challenge you. I can bring the word, but there's only one person that can equip you, and that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus was saying, follow me and I will make you into something you're not right now. I will mold you and I will fashion you and I will form you and I will do what I need to do to make you a fisher of men. That's exactly what he said. How many of you know, like I said, we can't, we can't qualify ourselves. We can't make ourselves holy. We can't make ourselves righteous. We can't make ourselves come into right standing with God. It requires the work of Jesus Christ. It requires the work of the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that we need in order to be qualified to do kingdom work. Those are the things we need in order to be qualified to be fishers of men, to be salt and to be light. These are the things that are going on in these men's life at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I, I need to lay this so you get a better understanding of where they fell to in John chapter 21. But over the next few days, Jesus begins to finalize his selection process with the disciples. And then he enters into a three-year mentoring program. He enters into a three-year equipping program. And he enters into a three-year training process in the lives of these people. And over that period of time, Jesus begins to pour into these men. He begins to teach these men. He begins to pray with these men. He begins to anoint these men. You know the whole story. If you read the Gospels, this is a 
process. He takes these men through, he anoints the men, and he empowers the men, and he finally he qualifies the men. In this process, Jesus builds a relationship with these men. They actually become friends and more than acquaintances. They're not strangers. At this time, he has developed a deep, loving relationship with these men. And then something happens. Jesus is betrayed. Jesus is arrested. Jesus is brutally beaten and he's hung on a cross and he's stuck in a grave. And three days later, he arises from the dead. And here is where we find ourselves in John chapter 21. All of this has taken place in the lives of these men. And come John chapter 21, Jesus is resurrected. And before he ascends to the Father, he visits with his disciples. And this is the word of the Lord. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And I want you to keep in mind, right here on this occasion, is the same exact place Jesus visited these men and called these men three and a half years earlier. The same exact place he speaks these words to him, and this thing takes, this, this occasion takes place, is the same exact place where Jesus called these disciples into ministry. Same exact place, and this is what the Word says, and it happened this way, the Bible says. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Zilch, not a zip. Whatever word you like to use. All night they were out at the sea and they caught absolutely nothing. Then early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Keep that in mind as I go forward with this story. They did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them from the shore saying, Friends, have you caught anything? To which they had to reply, No. And as I began to formulate this and I began to put this word together, I couldn't help but think about those times I've been fishing myself. Couldn't help but think about those times I've been fishing all morning or all day or all night, toiling, struggling, trying every single, you know, uh, lure in my tackle box and and end up with nothing. Just to have some individual come by and say, did you catch anything yet? And the reality is, all I can say is no. And if you are a fisherman, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you say, well, I had a few nibbles, or maybe I I had something on my hook. I had a whopper, but it got away. I had some nibbles, and I had some good bites. But in all reality, you can paint whatever picture you want. The answer to their question was no. I got nothing. Zip. I got no evidence of all of my toils and all of my labors and all of my struggles and all of the tricks that I tried through the night. These disciples were the same exact way. They had no evidence flopping around on the bottom of their boat that they actually caught something. No, I caught nothing was their reply. And I know you might be trying to figure out how in the world does this apply. But what you have to understand, church, is that this is this is part of this teaching process that that. God has for his disciples part of the teaching process he 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 has for us as well and this is what he I began to think even more because the reality was even if I at least caught a little minnow I could turn it into a could turn it into a whopper with a fishing tail 
Even if I caught what's not called a keeper, at least I could exaggerate my catch. And at least I could say, I fought all night to reel this one in. But I can't. The reality is the answer was no. We caught absolutely nothing. Here these men fished all night. They toiled and they strained and they came up empty. Nothing to show for their efforts. Nothing to show for their labor. They reaped nothing for their time. They reaped nothing for the trouble that they went through all through that evening. And then to top it all off, Jesus says to them, just throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. And again, I began to think about these disciples. What in the world must have been running through their mind? Who's this know-it-all standing on the shore? Uh, We're fishermen. I've been doing this all my life. Who, who's, this, who's this new guy just coming along telling us where the fish are, telling me how to fish, telling me where I can catch some fish? I began to think about it. The, these guys are thinking we've tried the entire lake. I've played the currents. We've gone to every single fishing spot where we used to gather in fish. We, we've tossed our net into the sea a hundred or two hundred times all through the night. And this guy is telling me, simply cast my net on the other side and we'll find some. Yeah, right. They must be thinking, like I haven't tried the other side already. Like I haven't tried every trick and every technique in my book. And this guy just casually walks by and says... Throw your net on the other side and you'll find some there. And the reality is, listen, how many of you know that Jesus sees what we don't see? Jesus knows what we don't know. The reality is Jesus knows where the fish are because he put them there. The reality is Jesus knows where the blessings are because he commanded them there. The reality is Jesus knew exactly where that school of fish was flocking because he ordered them to that place at that moment. The reality is Jesus sees what we don't see, church. And it it behooves us to listen to what he says to us. And and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but the, the disciples, they actually did it. They did what he said. Well, we tried everything else. What's it going to hurt? We've, we've cast the nets a thousand times. Maybe, maybe one more time will work. But listen to me. That one more time, if you do it because Jesus told you to do it, you're going to come up full and you're going to come up blessed. And this is part of the truth that we need to learn. Amen this evening. What Jesus ordered them to do or where Jesus ordered these fish to be was on the other side of Peter's boat. He could have sent them anywhere, but he ordered them right to the other side of Peter's boat. Just like, listen, just like he directed the ravens to deliver bread and meat to the other side of Kareth Brook for Elijah during a time of drought, he ordered these fish to Peter's boat as well. Just like he put a fish with a coin in its mouth on Peter's hook on another occasion so they could pay some taxes, he caused a flock of fish or a school of fish to make its way right beside Peter's boat as well. Because God sees what we don't see, church. He knows where the fish are. That's, and that's, that's the concept. Listen, that's the concept of what we're going to look at this evening. It's the other side. And what I want you to understand is the other side is the supernatural side. The other side I'm talking about is God's side. The other side I'm talking about is the side of faith in God. It's a, it's a place of power that I'm talking about. The other side is God's side. And I want you to understand the other side is where God works. 
The other side is where God labors. It's the other side is where God provides and God produces. It's the other side, church, is where God blesses and God anoints and God empowers and God sustains. It's all on the other side that I'm talking about. You see, the reality is, my point is this, we can spend our entire life fishing in the flesh like these men did on our side and come up empty every time. Or we can fish on God's side and come up full every time. The reality is we can spend our entire life fishing in the flesh. Fishing in our strength and fishing in our wisdom and fishing in our understanding and fishing in all of our favorite places. Trying to fill up our nets. And I don't care how long you go at it. It can be all night, it can be all year, it can be all day, it can be half your life. You'll still come up empty. But when you begin to fish where God tells you to fish, and you begin to go where God tells you to go and do what God tells you to do, you're going to come up full and overflowing. That's what happens on the other side. The other side is filled with abundance. The other side is filled with provision. The other side is filled with all good things because it's God's side. And on God's side, we'll never be disappointed. All night, these men fished in the flesh and they caught nothing. Not a single fish was caught up in their net. But when they fished on the other side, like Jesus said, they filled their boat with one cast. Think about it. One cast. All night they toiled on their side. All night they tried every trick and every technique they had. They tried every single one of their favorite places, but, but nothing worked. They came up empty until they tried the other side one time. Because how many of you know there's only one who can satisfy the thirsty? Only one who can fill the hungry with all good things. I want you to understand that net was a representation of God's goodness. That net was a representation of God's ability to fill us up to overflowing. Pressed down, shaken together, good measure, overflowing into our lives. When we trust God and do what He tells us to do, when we go fishing on God's side and we allow our faith to take us to the supernatural side of our life, something's going to happen happen church your net will be full and you'll have everything that you need church doesn't mean difficulty won't come and we're going to look at that in a second but these guys fished all night in their own strength and one time i don't know how many times they threw the net but all night i'll guarantee they tossed it out a few times and all they had to do go fishing on god's side one time and they came up full and overflowing I hope you grasp some of what I'm trying to bring to you this evening. All night these disciples were fishing and toiling in their own wisdom. All night they were fishing on the side of self-sufficiency. All night they were leaning on their own understanding, relying on their own skills and, and, and all of their, their own abilities. All night these guys fished on their side and struggled in the flesh. But when they listened to the Lord Church... They experienced abundance in their life, and they went away full. And we've got to learn that same exact thing. All night they fished in the flesh and exhausted their own strength and their own skills. They used every trick in the tackle box, like I said, but they came up empty. And the question is why? And spiritually, I'm going to give you the reason why. And I hope that you can understand this transition and where I'm going with here is because they weren't doing what Christ called them to do. Because they weren't doing what God had equipped them to do. 
They weren't doing what Jesus Christ had prepared them to do and trained them to do and empowered them to do, and that was to fish for men. You see, the reality is these individuals lost their vision. When Jesus died and difficulty came upon their life, when things got rough and they didn't have the answers, they lost their vision, they lost their sight. They, 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 they drew back on the calling that Jesus Christ had put upon their life. Remember, Jesus said, put down your nets, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But what the reality is here in this passage of Scripture, they went back, church, to their old ways. They, they forsook the call and they were fishing in the flesh once again. The truth is, after Jesus was crucified, the disciples returned to the fleshly side of their life. After Jesus died, the disciples returned to the carnal, earthly side, and they began to depend on their own wisdom and their own strength and their own knowledge once again, instead of walking by faith. And they were not doing what God called them to do, and that was to fish for men and operate on the other side. And I've got to continue leading us to to what God does here in chapter 21. Understand, after Jesus died, these disciples picked back up the very nets that Jesus, in Mark 1, asked them to lie down. Here in this passage of Scripture, the disciples who had committed themselves to following Christ, the ones who immediately laid down their nets to follow Him wherever He would lead them, they were back At the same place, with the same nets that they had once laid down, fishing in the flesh instead of fishing in the faith. And this is the the reality of what, what we have to understand when it comes to the other side. God wants us to live and move and breathe on the other side. He doesn't want us to waste our life merely fishing in the flesh on our side, in the fleshly side. You, he, he doesn't want us spinning our wheels and using our efforts and wasting our strength simply on the fleshly side of our life. He wants us to live and move and breathe and fish on the other side, church. Because it's on that side where we're effective for the kingdom of God. It's on that side where we are empowered to do great things for the kingdom of God. Listen, these individuals were the same disciples handpicked by the Savior to change the world. These were the same individuals who were given authority over every unclean spirit. Individuals called to fish for men under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet we find them fishing in the flesh once again. Now, that's not to say that we we condemn them because they went to fish and they wanted to make some money. uh, That's not my point. I'm trying to make a spiritual point here. Because how many of you know if you don't work, you don't eat? you got to provide. you got to work. you got to work in the kingdom of God. And this is, it, it takes some work, but that's not the point I'm trying to make tonight. I'm trying to make a spiritual point this evening that these guys were equipped and empowered and trained and qualified to work on the other side. And they abandoned that. And they reverted back to the natural side. And it's why their net was empty. It's why they found themselves hungry. It's why they found their hearts hurting. It's why they were suffering lack in their life. Because they were spinning their wheels on the earthly side of life. And we do the same exact thing, especially when difficulty comes our way, especially when we think our Savior's in the grave and He's not paying attention to our needs. So we take matters into our own hands and we struggle and we strive and we work all through the night hoping to catch some fish and make a change on our own. 
but we come up empty because we're fishing on the wrong side of our life. We go run into Billy Bob and Bobby Sue and this person and that person on the wrong side. When all we got to do is start fishing on the right side, on the other side, like Jesus and the Holy Ghost is teaching us this evening, church. Listen, these are the same disciples who already experienced this other side that I'm talking about in their lives in Mark chapter 4 and all throughout the gospel after that. Yet for some reason they returned to their side of self-sufficiency and self-reliance and they came up empty because of it. I'm going to walk you through the, 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 the books of Mark real quick just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Remember in Mark 1... He calls his first disciples. In Mark 3, Jesus appoints these same disciples to ministry. In Mark 3, he appoints them. He's empowered them, trained them, and he points them to ministry. In Mark chapter 4, he spends the entirety of the chapter teaching them parables, sowing into their life, equipping them and training them and preparing them for the other side, which the place he's about to take them, church, to the other side. Because in verse 35 of Mark 4, it says, That day, after he said all these parables, after all these other things had taken place, after they've already been appointed to ministry, after he's sowed himself, after he speaks these parables into their lives and gives them truth and has demonstrated some of his own power before their eyes, it says, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side And the first thing that I want you to gather here is that when God asks us to do something, He does it with us. Jesus didn't say, hey, y'all go over to the other side. He said, let us go over to the other side because God had a plan on the other side. God had something powerful waiting on the other side. And he said, he, 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 he was about to loose them to do something incredible. But, but the reality is, please keep in mind, when God asks you to do something, He goes with you. When Jesus or God asks you to go somewhere, He goes with you. And we need to understand that He doesn't leave Himself out of the equations of our life. Notice that when God asks us to do something, He realizes that we need Him to accompany us, church. The reality is, far too often, we still try to do it on our own. Far too often, we still try to do this marriage thing on all our own. Our own wisdom, our own strength, our own understanding, our own. We leave Jesus on the shore. The reality is when we try to do this business thing and finance thing and work thing and school thing and family thing, even when we try to do this spiritual thing, a lot of times we keep Jesus on the shore and we try to do it all on our own. And we wonder why our marriages come up empty. We wonder why our families come up lacking. We wonder why even in our spiritual life our heart still hurts because we're trying to do it on our own, church. And we cannot do that. We've got to make sure that Jesus is with us. But here's what Jesus says. Let us go to the other side because I've got something better on the other side. I've got something bigger on the other side. I've got something more incredible on the other side. I'm about to unloose my power in your life on the other side. And when you read this story and we go through it, you're going to see what I'm saying. Because Jesus was saying, let us go to the other side. Because on this side, on the fleshly side, on the side of self-reliance and, 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 and self, church, you can't experience my power. 
On this side, Jesus was saying, you can't operate under the anointing. You can't operate through the move of the Holy Ghost upon your life. On this side, the fleshly side, the earthly side, the Jeff side, or the Daryl side, or the Leo side, or anybody else's side, on this side, you cannot ex- uh, uh, exercise spiritual authority in your life, supernatural authority in your life. But on the other side, church, on the other side, Jesus teaches us it's where demons tremble. On the other side is where demons are about to flee. It's on the other side where the dead are about to be raised up from a grave. On the other side, it's where lame will walk and the blind will see and the captive will be set free. On the other side, the power of God is about to be loosed in these disciples' lives. And it's why Jesus wanted to get there. Because He was tired of watching His disciples live on the earthly side. I'm going to take you to the supernatural side because it's on that side where you become useful to the kingdom, profitable to the master. And we fiddle-diddle around on the earthly side half our life. And we wonder why we're not accomplishing anything for God. Because we're unwilling to get Jesus in the boat and go to the other side. But when we go there, church, there's something incredible happening. Listen, on the other side is where mountains are going to move. On the other side, church, is where walls are going to come down. On the other side is where enemy will flee and the dead will be raised up, church, and walk. Because there is supernatural power on the other side that I'm talking about tonight. And it's where God has called you. And it's where God has called me. And it's where He called these disciples. He has called every single one of us to the other side. To a place of power and supernatural anointing in our lives. He's called each and every one of us out of the natural into the supernatural, out of the flesh and fear and into faith. It's about where he's going to take these guys. But one of the first steps we have to take to get there is to leave the crowds behind. Because if you look at Mark chapter 4, verse 36, right after Jesus says, let us go to the other side, read what he says. He said, or read what it says. It says, so they took Jesus in the boat. And I'm going to stop right there. If you plan on going to the other side, you better take Jesus along. If you plan on experiencing the supernatural, you better take Jesus along. I don't know how old you might be, but I remember a commercial that American Express used to have, and it said, don't leave home without it. And the reality is, if you plan on walking in the supernatural and under the anointing and in the power of God and accomplishing something before you step out, you better take Jesus with you. Before you go to work, you better take Jesus with you. Before you go to uh, get, get gas in your car, you better take Jesus with you. Before you go shopping for some groceries to fill up your body, you better take Jesus with you. Before you go to the interview, you better take Jesus with you. Before you go to the marriage counseling session, you better take Jesus with you. When you go into a prayer closet, you better take Jesus with you. Because if you don't, you will toil and strain and try every technique you've got. And you'll go nowhere. And your nets will still be empty. So you better take Jesus with you. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out to the other side, leaving the crowds behind. The next truth you better grab a hold of. Because if you ever want to experience the supernatural in your life... If you ever want to make it to the other side, you better be willing to leave the crowd behind. 
Because it's very few and far between the individuals that are going to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and be empowered by Jesus and anointed by Jesus. You better be willing to leave the crowds behind. You better be willing to leave that friendship behind and that acquaintance behind and that crowd behind. You better be willing to step out and be counted among the few. When Jesus said, the verse right here, it says, leaving the crowds behind. You better be ready to come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Because unless you're willing to do that, I won't anoint you. Unless you're willing to consecrate yourself and separate yourself from the menial little carnal crowd, I won't put my name on you and I won't put my blessings on you and I won't put my supernatural power on you. If you're not willing to come out from the crowds, listen, some of you got to leave some friends behind. There are some individuals, maybe not you, maybe in the house, maybe in your family, they're wondering why they're struggling. It's because they're still hanging with the wrong crowds. And they're not willing to consecrate themselves unto God so that they can become a fisher of men and live on the other side. On God's side, you better be willing to leave those crowds behind and make yourself... listen. You come into church, man, there's a lot of people that like big churches because they can hide in the crowd. They can hide behind the person sitting in front of them, make sure that pastor don't ever make eye contact, can hide in the crowd. Well, I did my thing, I went to church. But listen, it's time for some individuals to get up close and personal with God. It's time for some people, I'm not talking about you sitting in the back row, but it's about time for some people to come out of the shadows and get themselves up close to God. And start being made into a disciple so that you can be taken to the other side and live and move and breathe and operate there, church. One of the realities that we have to grasp is that sometimes getting to the other side will be rough. Sometimes getting to the other side will be tough. Listen, when these disciples made their way to the other side, if you know the story, a storm kicked up. In the middle of the night, a storm kicked up. Listen to me. There is a spiritual truth here. Every time you make your way to the other side, to God's side, to the supernatural side, the devil's going to try to get in your way. The devil's going to kick up some waves, and the devil's going to kick up some wind, and the the devil's going to pour down on you with some rain. Because his only goal is to get you to quit. His goal is to get you to give up. His goal is to get you discouraged, to start rowing in reverse. So you go back from where you came from. The sad reality is these disciples ended up there. Jesus died. And they reverted back to their old way of living. Listen to me. The devil will do all that he can to keep you from that supernatural side of life. He'll kick up every storm that he can to keep you from going forward. Listen, why? Because the devil knows what's on the other side. Woo! The devil knows there's some power to be had on the other side of that sea. He knows that if you ever get there, that you're going to have authority over him and he can't bother you no more. So when you find yourself in the middle of a stormy sea, all you've got to remember is God said, let us go to the other side. Because God had a plan. Listen, God didn't say, Jesus didn't say, hey, fellas, get on the boat and let's go halfway across the sea. He didn't say that. 
said, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, hey, fellas, get in the boat so we can go halfway across and get caught in the middle of the storm and die. He didn't say that. He had a plan on the other side. He had a plan, and that was to get to the other side. He, had, he still had not accomplished his father's will. These disciples had not yet been empowered or experienced the other side. It was Jesus' plan to get them there. And it's exactly why, listen, at this point in their life, they weren't prepared to stand up and say, peace be still on their own. But Jesus did. Because Jesus himself was not about to let he keep, uh, let the devil keep his disciples from the other side. And he'll do the same thing for you too. When you can't cry out on your own, Jesus will stand up and say, peace be still on your behalf. So you can get to the other side, church. Please understand, the devil will do all that he can to get you to the other side because he knows what's on the other side. And what I want you to get from this is that God had a plan on the other side. God had a blessing and a purpose on the other side, and his power was about to be manifest on the other side. But in order to get there, the disciples needed faith and perseverance in the center of their storm, and so will you and I. We will need perseverance to get to the other side, church. This is what we have to understand. He said, let us go to the other side because something greater was waiting there. And it was the supernatural power of God. It was the high call of Christ upon their lives. The other side is where God's power was loosed in their lives and is loosed in our lives as well. And it's where uh, supernatural uh, takes place. Because here's where we go. In Mark chapter 5, they've rowed across the boat. Jesus has calmed the storm, and they land on the other side of the sea, exactly where God wanted to take them. And it says, Mark 5, the first thing the disciples encountered on the other side was legion. If you know the story, the first thing that they encountered on the other side was a man filled with a thousand demons and full of hell. And it's exactly why the devil didn't want them getting there. It's exactly why the devil kicked up a storm. Because he knew if Jesus got to the other side, demons would start trembling. Demons would have to flee. That there would be a supernatural authority that was greater than his. That would overtake this man's life that was being controlled by the devil. It's why he kicked up a storm, church. Because the last thing he wanted was to have to flee. And I believe with all of my heart, the devil knew that if Jesus got to the other side, that that man would be set free. The devil knew that if Jesus and the disciples ever got to the other side, that something supernatural and powerful would take place. So he tried to discourage them along the way. And Jesus wasn't about to let that happen. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, didn't even get a chance to get his feet moving. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came from a cemetery to meet him. Demons were residing in this man's soul, absolutely controlling and destroying his life, church. But here on the other side is where Jesus demonstrated his own supernatural power over the devil. It's here on the other side where Jesus took authority over these demons and caused them to flee and set the captives free. Because it's only on the other side, it's only on the supernatural side, church, where individuals will be set free. It's only on the other side, like I said, where the blind will see and the lame will walk and the dead will be raised from the grave. It's only on the supernatural side where the supernatural work and power and manifestations of God will be released. It's on the other side, church. And it's exactly why the devil did what he did. And he'll do the same with you and I if we allow him to. And when you read on in Mark, you'll discover 
that it was on the other side, like I said, where Jesus raised the dead and healed the sick. And you can follow it in chronological order. It was when they got to the other side, church, where the 12 disciples were sent out to do ministry. It was on the other side where God gave them supernatural authority over their own and said, when they got to the other side, he said, the same power you just saw me demonstrate, I'm giving to you. I'm giving you authority over every unclean spirit. I want you to understand it's on the other side where we are empowered by the Spirit of God. And it's why the devil doesn't want you to get there. It's why he wants to keep you on the fleshly side because he knows when you get to the other side, heaven's about to let something loose over the devil's kingdom and people will be set free. Amen. It's what we must understand that you and I are of no use to the kingdom of God on our side. That you and I are of no use to the kingdom of God when we're operating in our flesh, church, on, on our side. This is the side of flesh. This is the side of ego. This is the side of pride and self-absorption. This is, the, this is the side of lust and greed and envy and jealousy. This is, this is the side that these individuals, these disciples had reverted back to, church. But in Mark, listen... Mark 6, 7, Jesus took them to the supernatural side. They started out in the natural side in Mark 1. Jesus equips them, empowers them, trains them, pours into them. Then he takes them to the other side and he equips them and fills them with his supernatural power. Then something happens and they begin to revert back in John chapter 21. And this is where I'm getting to to start to close. They once walked high, church, but now they were living low. And Jesus had to change that in their life. And he has to change it in our lives as well. These were the same disciples who were given authority, like I said, over the demons. They returned to the side of flesh church because they lost their vision. They abandoned their call and they went back to fishing for fish instead of for men. Now, that's not to say, please understand, that's not to say that every one of you got to go give up your job just so you can go into full time ministry. But what I'm telling you is that there is a high call and a low call. And the high call is always upon every one of us to fish for men, to be salt and to be light. It's the number one call upon our lives. But so many of us, listen to me, we get stuck on the flesh side. We're rowing and toiling and working and spending all night and spending all day and spending half of our life getting what? Nothing in our net. Nothing. We got to be reminded of that. That God has called us to the other side as saints so that we can increase the kingdom of God and fish for men. That's our high call, church. But here in John chapter 21, before I finish up, they had returned to the side of self-reliance. They were simply fishing for sustenance, fishing to make a few bucks, fishing to pay the bills, fishing to feed the family and just survive. And I know that we have to do that. But listen to me. You and I don't need the anointing to operate in the flesh. You and I don't need the power of God and the power of the Holy Ghost to walk in our own wisdom and strength and understanding. We don't need a touch from God in order to fish for fish. God gave us abilities and God gave us strengths and God gave us some of our own things. And that's how we make a living. Certainly we can find favor and blessings along the way. But please understand me. There's nothing supernatural about you doing work. Other than God gave you the breath and the life to do it. But that's how we do earn a living. But that's natural. 
That's, there's nothing supernatural about that. But as spiritual beings, God wants us to move into the supernatural and take us to the other side. And here's what we have to understand. The final truth we have to grasp is that unless we listen and obey, we will never experience the other side in our lives. We'll never experience the supernatural power and blessings of the Lord in our lives, and we will not operate under His anointing. Remember, and I don't want to lose you in this transition here, but in Mark 1, Jesus finds these disciples, finds the first disciples, living and fishing in the flesh. And in John chapter 21, prior to what Jesus is about to say to them, he finds them doing the same thing again. He had led them through three and a half years of ministry. He had led them through three and a half years of a training, equipping, intern process. And yet he finds them reverting back to the very same thing. He even found them in the same place where they were willing to lay down their nets. And Jesus said at that point in Mark 1, he says, lay down your nets and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Lay down your wisdom, your knowledge, your strength, your abilities, and I will give you mine instead. Lay down your nets and follow me, Jesus said. Lay down your man-made nets and follow me. Pick up my supernatural nets that I give you and follow me. And they obeyed and they experienced the power of God in their lives because of it. Amen? Because if you follow it, you, you, I've just taught you that they obeyed, laid down their nets, followed the voice of God, and they were blessed because of it. But when they laid down their supernatural nets and they picked up their man-made nets, what begins to happen? They begin to struggle. They begin to toil. They're no longer operating in the supernatural. You don't hear anything uh, miraculous going on in their lives in this period of time when they reverted back, when they lost their vision and they stopped doing their call. There was nothing supernatural going on in their life. And I hope you understand that, church. But what happened? They caught nothing. They suffered lack. Their nets were empty. And their hearts were still hurting and heavy. But then listen. When they obeyed the voice of God and the voice of the Lord who called them once again to the other side, then they were blessed with abundance once again. Because here's, here's what Jesus said to them. When Jesus calls them back to the other side in John chapter 21... He finds them fishing, and they hadn't caught anything. And what does he say to them to do? Throw your nets on the other side. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because the large number of fish. And the reality is, listen, this is what I'm closing with tonight. What God is simply trying to teach us is to get to the other side. What Jesus is trying to teach us is stop fishing on the one side and start throwing your nets on my side. There's two things God's asking us to do. He's asking us to lay down our nets and follow him. And he's asking us to cast our nets to the other side. His desire is the same desire that he had with the disciples. He's saying to us tonight, let us go to the other side. And when we get there... You and I, Jesus is saying, you and I, the Holy Ghost is saying, you and I, God is, uh, is saying, are going to experience the supernatural in our lives. So what the Holy Ghost is asking tonight is how many of you are ready to do that? How many of you are ready to go to the other side? How many of you are ready to lay down your nets and follow him? How many of you are ready to get in the boat and invite Jesus in and go to the other side and experience the supernatural? And how many of you, whenever Jesus says, put your net on the other side, if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Because what you're doing is you're making yourself available for the power of God to be brought into your life. You see, the reality is, as I read this, church, listen to me, I'll be the first to say, 
There's so many times in my life, if you know me personally, you know I'm just like a loud mouth. You know, I'm bold and I'm opinionated and I think I can do anything all my, all on my own. The Lord's taught me a lot about that when it comes to the pulpit and it comes to ministry. But for me, the Holy Spirit has to teach me, you can't go where I want you to go all by yourself, Jeff. You can't do what I want you to do all by yourself. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how much influence you have. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care who your political friends are and what favors they might owe you. You can't go where I want you to go on your own. You can't make it to the other side without me. And so what I'm asking you to do tonight, this is what you're asking. Holy Spirit, I want to go to the other side. But I'm inviting you into the boat with me because I can't get there on my own. And if I get there on my own, I can't do what you want me to do when I get there. So when they got to the other side, they had Jesus and were able to experience the supernatural. So invite Christ in. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father God, that you were able to bring it forth in such a way that there was understanding And Father God, I thank you for giving me clarity, first of all, that you give me a sound mind that I might be able to bring forth the things you put in my soul. And now I pray, God, that these words would find their way into the hearts of every individual here. I pray, Father God, that these words would uh, stir them and challenge your people, Lord God, to get in the boat and go to the other side. To stop playing around and spinning and toiling and trying every technique they have in their own tackle box, God, to make it through life and experience abundance and blessing, God. So we yield ourselves to you. We tonight invite you into the boat so that you might take us to the other side, so that we might experience your supernatural power in our lives. So we might experience the anointing of God and the Holy Spirit power, God, that you have for us. So that we can exercise the authority that you have given us over every unclean spirit. God, let us not be caught lifting up our own nets. Let us not be caught toiling, Father God, on the fleshly side of life. But let us be committed and consecrated to the other side of our faith, God. That place where we can be filled with power. That place, God, where we can be overcomers. That place where we can be the head and not the tail. The above and not the beneath. That place where we can lay hands on the sick, Father God, and watch them recover. On that side where we can pray the prayer of faith and watch someone get up from the sick bed. Help us get to that other side, God, where we call on you from heaven. We uh, we know and believe and can see heaven move on our behalf and have devils flee and tremble God there is a place of power that you want us all to be but in order to get there we got to leave the crowds in order to get there Father God we got to invite you along so that when we get there we're not lost so that you can lead us where you want us to go empower us tonight God Pour out your Holy Spirit upon your people, God. Equip us, teach us, train us, make us, mold us, fashion us, God. Make us what we're not right now. So we can be fishers of men and advance the kingdom of God. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We receive it, God, and now we act on it. We thank you in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord, church, for His Word? Amen. If you have a special need, I'd love for you to tarry, pray with you. 
believe that God will meet that need. But go make your way to the other side. Amen.